Now you're going to hear one name a lot. There was a shot that goes in for the Nashville right from the blue line. Well, Ryan Ellis, and he can hammer that puck from the line, and he ties it up at 12.08. Arvidsson was in front. Now the Predators back at full strength. No shots on the power play in this period. And a quick pass in for Forsberg. He scores! Philip Forsberg got one that was slowed up somewhat. And the Predators have tied it up after they got back to even strength. Buck rolled around into the Colorado zone. Arvidsson flips it back. Yossi at the right point. Return to Arvidsson. Johansson, right wing corner. Here is Yossi with the shot. That stop. Rebound. Trying to flip that one in. Is Matt Duchesne, and he does it. Predators take the lead of the power play at 4.55 of the period. Kamenev, the puck taken away. Grimaldi. Predators coming back. Three on three. Grimaldi turns, gives the puck to Benino, and out in front for Craig Smith of the score. So the Predators get one back here in the third period, and now trail by four. Each side got a goal in the third. The trouble for Nashville was the six the Avs had in the second as they win the game 9-4. Welcome into a Friday edition of Morning Drive here on ESPN 102.5. The game, Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. Pete Weber, the call last night here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and the Predators Radio Network is the Avalanche defeat the Predators 9-4. to That is correct. I am saying it with 100% conviction. It actually was 9-4. to Colorado that, put up the, a six that, spot in the second. That's not the series total goal scoring right. in all the games for the year. That's correct. That was a game. Pecorino yanked Avalanche snap a five-game skid. And maybe the stat of the night that will just blow your lid away. The Avalanche scored more goals last night than the Tennessee Titans scored points in three separate games this wow. year. I'm going to tell you like uh, like Smokey Toad, Craig, when he got knocked out. <laughs> you got your asinine knocked out. <laughs> you got knocked up. <laughs> they got knocked out last night. I mean, but listen. It's a long season, and you you have games like that, and where you know the t- that team's just better than you that night, and you you know you take it for what it's worth, and 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 you put it behind you, and you move forward. That's the good thing about when you play eighty two games, you can take one game like that and and, and push it behind you very quickly, uh, and move on. Um, nine to four. When the last time the Predators gave up that many goals? I wonder when the last time they gave up that many goals because that's like that's like getting that's the equivalent of getting beat like forty like on a Thursday night football forty forty two uh, no, nope, to nope go higher you know, fifty two sixty sixty two oh nine 62, goals in hockey yeah. is like sixty points in 62 football sixty two to to 21. Nine goals is that's basically what it was sixty two to twenty one it's hard to understand yeah. nine nine goals man like, it. My mind doesn't understand it, uh, and, and it's. I mean, you're right. Here's what you do with it. Yeah, that's what you yeah. do. Like Predator fans last night were that's freaking it. out on wow. Twitter, and like I actually had to tweet this. I said, "I love how Preds fans freak out over not getting a consistent effort. It's an 82 game season. It's impossible to skate hard for all 82 and go balls to the wall. Have you ever watched an NBA game and seen a good team mail it in and lose by 24?" You it see happens. That, you see it all the time in the NBA where a team, even the best teams, they end up losing by 30 or 40 points. And it's like, okay, you know, this is not college football. This is not the NBA where you come out and you can get me in the NFL where 
you expect because the seasons are so short. You come out and you got a week to prepare. You come out and give 100% every week. And if you don't, you know, that's inexcusable. In hockey, base, I mean, hockey baseball, and, and basketball, it's hard to do that, man. You know, 82 games on the ice, I got to give it 100%. No, I'm not. I got to preserve my body. I'm going to pull the old Kawhi Leonard. You know, body load management. I'm man. all about load management. Load management. I got to, yeah, I these games that are back to back in two and three days and five and whatever, how many days, load management. I can't keep doing this. I can, I can try to skate hard. Here's the thing. My mind's telling me no, no. <laughs> but my body. <laughs> no, no, no. It, but it, but it, it truly is like that. Your mind is telling you yes, not no. But your mind is telling you yes, you can do it. But your body is saying sit your ass down, okay? Sit your ass down. That's what your body's saying, basically. I mean, it's... Because you, you can't push yourself for 82 games like that. And the Predators are going to have one of those games this year where they they go in and just boat race somebody 7 to 2 or 8 to 4 it happens it's called variance it's an 82 game schedule. Now if this happens the next game again, if this happens 3 times out of 4, if this happens 5 times in a season, okay. But to me it's nothing more than just an outlier in an 82 game stretch. Even if it happens 3 times this year, uh, no. I'm not. If you give up nine goals three times in a calendar in a, in a season, but you're still they're, they're, that might be a trend that I'm concerned. No, with. but you're still one's one, fine. You're still one of the top teams in the National Hockey League. Are you though? And you, if <laughs> if you get okay, they play what fifteen games? Twenty fifteen somewhere around. Yesterday there? was game sixteen. Sixteen. Yep. So they gave up nine. So say in another twenty games, twenty five games, they give up nine goals again, and then at the end of the season. When they got everything locked up, they give up a nine goals. Who cares? Seriously, who cares? They gave up nine goals, 27 goals total in three games. <laughs> That's you so know, many goals. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, when you when you think about I'm it like sorry. that, yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, it's no big deal. Twenty seven. When you gave, think about it like that, uh, we that gave up two hundred points in three games. Not that big a deal. When you think about it like that, uh, that might be a lot. No, listen. Okay, if you give up maybe twenty look, goals, look, yeah. If you play the worst period of hockey in the history of your organization, and again, I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday. I think Skull, uh, Skull, Paul Skrbina, I think posted this uh, a couple hours ago, and it was a banner. A Preds banner that said allows six goals in eight minutes, and it had that written on the banner. So maybe you'll hang this, Preds, and they were, you know, people were making fun of them for hanging the banners, which which is stupid. Nobody mm-hmm. should be doing that. But it, it, again, you have a sense of humor about it. You got to laugh about it. it, it it's you know, it's it's the worst period of hockey I've ever seen. Like probably ever at any point in twenty years of watching the team, it might be the worst period of hockey I've ever seen. Yeah, Vingan said and, the same thing. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here. It's just the worst. If you give me two more of those this season, uh, I got major questions. One, one time, I still don't. One time, you, you, it's not. It happens. You give up a six spot or a seven spot or whatever. These things happen. Nine's a little much, but that, you give up a. But twenty-seven goals in three games is not acceptable. But that's like the. There's New, a bigger problem. That's like New England Patriots getting boat raced twice in a season. Who cares? You know, because the people in New England just look and say, you know what? Where are we at in the, at the end of the season? We're in the Super Bowl, so it really doesn't matter. They say they point to the rings. Well, predators can't point to the rings. So, but you, you see what I'm saying? They can point to we are still the best team in the hockey right now. 
The, there was a stretch. Adam Vingen tweeted this last night. Three goals for the Avalanche in a quick 91 seconds. Before that, though, the Forsberg-Johansson-Arvidsson-Duchesne-Yossi power play unit scored its eighth power play goal in 16 games. So immediately, the tweets start coming into me. My mentions blow up. There's gifts galore. <laughs> We're getting ready. Like Tattoo watch has become an official thing. Oh, thank <laughs> Every God. time they score a power play goal, yes. my mentions just erupt. And how about this? One uh, one of our most devo- devoted listeners, Gregory Anderson, sends a tweet, and it's me holding Dan Lambert from behind <laughs> on the ship of the Titanic yeah, I saw that last as night. Leonardo DiCaprio uh, and Kate Winslet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look at this photo. Fo- look at the Photoshop. <laughs> me and L Dog. <laughs> 1912 before the boat goes under. Oh my goodness! Did you guys make out I an old it. Model T? I yes. Windows got foggy. It was you know <laughs> it so, was a spicy afternoon. But, yeah. you, but you end up dying at the end, man. What's up? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But Brad survives and the power play is fine. Yeah, yes, yeah, so that's yeah, all that matters. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. All right. So if Predators fans want to check in after last night's debacle and lose their mind, they can certainly do so. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Like I, I just I I can't even get mad because it's an yeah. like. Years ago, I said I will not view hockey, baseball, and basketball the way I do football. You, you can't. can't have a football fan mindset for these longevity of a sport. No, and it can be hard, right? Like it can be hard um, to do that because you see something like something that's as, atro- as atrocious as last night, or a great game, or a great comeback, and you and you want to. You see a game and you go, "Oh, there it is! There it is! That's what it is! That's the be- that's the best stuff, or that's the terrible stuff." And you see it and you go, "Okay." But you, you, you can't. you got to look at it in like 10, 12, 15-game windows. If they go on a stretch here where they're, where they're giving up a bunch of goals and they're not playing good defense, can, can I help you? Yeah. <laughs> when, we're really, when we're going if, – if you go on a stretch like this, then there's reason to be concerned. If, if, if it's just a one game off, then who cares? Yeah. Well, an example of that for like an NBA perspective, everybody panicked when the Lakers lost that first game to the Clippers. They've uh-huh. won six straight since then. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, this Lakers team, they're not, they're not as good as the Clippers. They're not going to be as good as the Clippers. But it's like an 82-game season, and they've won six straight ever since. So it's just it's a long season. And it's like when the, the Memphis Grizzlies win, and they think the Memphis is going to the NBA championship hey, game. Hey, don't talk about my oh, Grizz I'm so, that I'm way. Sorry, I'm sorry. I forget you were sitting there. Right don't talk about my Grizz, man. <laughs> Lifelong diehard. Or, or, John Morant, baby. Or in a football season when yeah. we overreact in week one when the Tennessee Titans put up a 40 spot on the Browns and we say, whoa. But we were right about one thing. The Browns are not good. <laughs> I, and I will say, though, even about football, mm-hmm. you can even make the argument that you shouldn't overreact to football, too. Yeah, it's true. Like, you can even make the argument that, like, look at what Phillip Rivers did last night, mm-hmm. right? He was... He looked like a total bum. We all know Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, and it's an important lesson that like even great players are going to have bad games. Even in football, when we have to overreact to everything, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL right now, mm-hmm. and could not throw a forward pass last night. Nope. So, it, like, even you know whether it's Marcus or Ryan Tannehill or Matthew Stafford or Cam Newton or Teddy Bridgewater, when we're you know any of these quarterbacks that are going to play on Saturday this weekend. In big games, Burrow and Tua, Trevor Lawrence, whatever, like they're going to have bad games. Even the best ones on the planet have bad games. Aaron Rodgers just got totally shut down by the Chargers last week, and now the Chargers can't complete a forward pass. So it's just the nature of the NFL. You don't really, again, you even even the NFL, you need three, four, five games to truly understand what a team really is, and and that's where we are in the season. We're starting to see who these teams really are. Speaking of the Chargers, the Raiders beat them last night on Thursday Night Football 26-24, to and I, I said this last night on Twitter, I, I think America might owe John Gruden an apology. 
He was a punching bag. We made fun of him last year oh, yeah, for the Raiders yeah. being a debacle. Oh, how could you trade Khalil Mack? You're an idiot. You, the whole thing. They're five and four, and they look like a relatively solid football team. They're a good football team. Um, they're young um, in just about every area. Um, I still, I'm still trying to figure out what what made him. What did he take before he went to bed? And woke up the next morning and decided he didn't want Khalil Mack anymore. Or well, you know what he's got now. Um, he's got Josh Jacobs, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. Cleveland Furl last night had multiple sacks, but they're not Khalil Mack. I get that, but those and picks look pretty Amari good right now. Cooper. Well, and, and one of them's not even playing. Like Ab- the Abrams yeah, Dunn, kid's not even Abrams playing. Not playing. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's going to be a really good player. So it, imagine what this team was if they had all three of their first round picks from last year. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders. I, I, I still, I'm, I'm still not buying them as yeah. a wild card team. Um, uh, let me pump the brakes on the Raiders. Yeah. Just, yeah. just slow, slow roll. I, I think they look definitively better than the Titans, who they play in a couple of weeks. The Raiders are like, the Raiders are like that car where it, it breaks down on you, and the only way for you to get it going is you got to try to crank it up, and then when you push it, it'll start rolling. <laughs> you need it moving. Yeah, down it'll start the hell rolling, and then it'll start going, and everybody got to jump in. That's the Raiders. Okay. And so they started rolling. Everybody jump in. And it's just a matter of time for the car clunks out the, on them in, at the red light. Not, 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 Derek, not Derek Carr. No, not Derek Carr. Who, by the way, is, yeah. his ratings above 100 this year. He's, he's playing pretty well. Okay, you know, I got a. I, I guess I'd tell a story on the other side. Oh, a uh, Dime story? Can't yeah, wait. Yeah, I felt, man, it hit me yesterday. Yeah? Yeah. What, hard. a car? Well, you got to lay off those spicy <laughs> Doritos, bro. I mean, telling no, you. No, I stopped eating those. I stopped right. eating those. Yeah, I'm trying to lay, lay off a, a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, something hit me. Just hit me yesterday, man. Mm-hmm. We got a lot to do today. We've got Josh Ward from uh, WNML in Knoxville. Teron Davenport's going to join us. Also, Peter Burns from the SEC Network will join us. We'll get you ready for Bama, LSU, Tennessee, Kentucky, the Titans, and the Chiefs. Your Preds calls if you want to jump in, 615-737-1025. We're back after this here on Morning Drive, live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. 618, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025, The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise with you. Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville at the bottom of the hour, but something just hit Derek Mason. Literally hit him right in his face. Yeah, and th- this okay? was yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Well, I'm fine now. Oh. I had a okay. moment last night. <laughs> uh, so, you know, each year we switch vacations, uh, Marcy and I. She... One year we take the kids, well, I take the kids on spring break, and she take them on um, summer break, and then we flip um, per, you know, our agreement. Um, so this year I have um, spring break. So I am a real procrastinator when it comes to um, vacations. I'll wait to the very end and end up paying like 10% more. That doesn't sound smart. It doesn't. No, I'm just a procrastinator when it comes to that. And the kids tell me all oh, day. They remind me, Dad, you got vacation hey, you this got year. you got us plane tickets yet or you what? You got vacation this year. And I'm always like, yeah, I got it. I got it. So I have spring break this year. So Bailey and I, we've been going back and forth. She got mad at me the other day, and I felt like, oh. When your daughter gets mad, y'all understand. When your you're, daughter you're adult, gets mad. Adult daughter. Yeah, when your daughter gets mad at you, the whole world stops. <laughs> it just stops. It's, it's like you can't. You're, you're, you're is, not it that, is it so that bad? Yeah, it's that bad. You're oh, not a no. parent anymore. You don't, you are not a parent anymore. You're when your like, daughter gets <laughs> upset with you, you're not a you're parent anymore. You're just a anymore. ball of goo. You just you're done. So she gave you the business. Yeah, she gave well, me the business. Well, she was I'm mad glad. about the vacation. Thing? About the vacation thing because <laughs> I she was like, Dad, I I told you I I will pick out three places and you pick out three places 
and we will discuss does, it in two or three DJ, days. Does DJ have Just any do say that, that, Dad. I didn't have anything to say back when she texted that to me. Like, does DJ have anything to say about this no, process? No, he doesn't it's just care. <laughs> yeah, we, he, we say this is where we're going. He's like, oh, okay, right. whatever. So last night. Do they have internet access? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> last night, we, we had set up this phone call to kind of go over the three places that I decided and the three places that she decided. You know, her, she had like 10 places. And I had three. <laughs> Um, so we're sitting there. We we get on the phone. I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is going to be like a 45 minute call. You know, we're going to go over everything. Yada yada yada. The pros and the cons. Yeah, everything. So this was a conference call. Yes, yeah, conference call. Was there with, any with like? Daughter. Was there any consultants there? She was a consultant. <laughs> yeah, okay. alone. Um, so I'm thinking it's going to be 45 minutes. It turned out to be really 10 minutes, and this is why it turned out to be 10 minutes. So she started, I gave my three places and one place we, we decided we couldn't go because of some things that are happening in Mexico, some things that are happening yeah, yeah, over yeah. there. It was like, uh, yeah, yeah. kind of don't want to go. Um, so we, there are some other places. So you mean guys in bulletproof trucks exactly. killing families? On Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, don't want to do that. No, yeah. no not at all. Did you see that story, Marquise? Yeah, that story Dude crazy. showed up at the border in an armored truck and killed after the killing family. a whole family yeah. on they a highway. Caught, they end up catching them, which yeah, is right, good. good. Yeah. Um, so okay. <laughs> we're going over some list and I'm like, okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she says, dad, you know, my friends and I, we were thinking, you know, cause they, they travel and you know, we all want to travel together and oh, no. you know, we're deciding that, you know, we want to, there's a, there's, you know, I think she says, I don't forget what she said, Paris or something. They were, they were all wanted to go to. So we, I'm going to get together with my friends and we're all going to orchestrate this thing. We're all going to get this. And I laugh. Do you mind that if I, you know, if I go with them and, 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 you know, the portion you're going to pay for me, you could just pay <laughs> and I can go with them. And she was going on and I'm just thinking, I wanted to cry, man. <laughs> She's like, you're not mad, are you? And I'm thinking like, no, I'm not mad. I had to play it off. I really had to play it off. I wa- no, seriously. I really wanted to cry. I'm so. I really wanted to cry. I've never been scared she, of being a father. Yeah, now I'm terrified. She is at that age where she doesn't want to go. She would rather with go you. with her friends. Yeah. yeah. So her brother and I would be gone by ourselves. I, I think it's interesting that it took her this long. I would say a lot of kids probably get to like 18 and yeah. are like, I don't want to be around you guys anymore. It so was, you, she'd be. Be thankful, I guess you got yeah, a couple extra 20, years. Yeah, it was just like, or you could just say, uh, "Yeah, pay your own way." <laughs> no, I can't say. I can. I'll as pay. A parent, I'll yes. pay for wherever you want to go, but I'm gonna be there with you. I can as a parent, <laughs> yes, but you're not gonna win in those situations. You're just no, not. Just just deactivate that American Express card. Yeah, I can't do Turn that it either. She, Shut she's it down. Already, she's already. She'll figure out how to survive yeah, quickly. She's already threatened that she said. She said, "I get. I get the card anyway, so it doesn't matter." Dad. Yeah, she's. I, yeah, she's just she's ruthless. Uh, yeah, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Bad. Did she not? Did she let you go through your full explanation of your three first? Yes. Why would she do that to you? I don't know. It's Just torture. start the conversation with that. Don't worry about your three. Yeah. I know I texted you that yesterday, yeah. but don't worry about your three because they're not really on the table because you're not coming. Yeah. Just say that on the front end and save Derek the trouble, Bailey. Yeah. Come on. It, 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 it hit me hard. like a th- But then <laughs> this was like, I guess she wanted to make me feel somewhat good. She said, Dad, just plan it. Because we might not go, oh my but God. Dad, just plan it as if I am going. That's the most millennial thing ever. Like, hey, can you plan three vacations so that in case I don't, if my first two options fall through, that I can have a third so vacation I'm the backup on the plan. Yes, you're the I'm backup. Rebound. Okay, all right, there we go. I can you're see a rebound. I can see sad D Mace right now wearing a robe, big full bag of Doritos, shiny plan in the background. In Cabo. <laughs> well, He's by himself in Cabo, just oh walking around, going my like, "Goodness, where's my family?" No, well, well, what's the uh, what's the real sad SpongeBob gift you? always use all right i'm gonna head out on yeah, twitter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's 
Man, yeah. So y'all, so we, y'all, we gotta, feel it. y'all, y'all, man. y'all, feel it. Y'all, you will feel it double time. I'll be dead before then. And I'll, I'll feel it. I'll yeah. feel it per, uh, yeah. The two daughters, yeah. with it, they're both going to want their their exactly. vacation too Absolutely. at the same time. So I, I'm, I'm. <sighs> she's 21, right? 22, 21, 20, 20. Yep. I, I if if I make it to twenty before my daughter says to me, "Hey, I don't want you to come on the vacation," I think I'll take that as a win. Like I think I would yeah. say, you know what? If I got like ten good spring breaks out of this as a father, mm-hmm. as a family, getting to go do stuff, like I think I think I'll be I'll, I'll be satisfied with that. Because once they get to twenty twenty one, you can't you gotta let them do their own thing at some point, right? Yeah, so, much so. fly, little bird, <laughs> fly. <laughs> Fly, little pelican. I'm a pelican. Let me fly. <laughs> Slap those wings. Josh Ward uh, will join us windows. coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to a lot of Tennessee, Kentucky with him, obviously. Uh, but if Kentucky, I was thinking about this yesterday. If, if Kentucky essentially has no quarterback and wins this game against Tennessee, is that going to be a bad loss for Jeremy Pruitt? Because like I've said all week that I think this is a really tough spot for Tennessee, despite the issues Kentucky might have at quarterback. I don't know. I mean, listen, if it's a pick and it's on the road, I don't think it's a quote-unquote bad loss. Now, if they get beat the way Missouri got beat against Kentucky, 29-7, to mm. and you go on the road and they don't have their quarterback. And, now, because Lynn Bowden is a really great player. He, he's a great player. Um, he can he can run the ball a ton. He's a great receiver. He's a, d- a dynamic guy. He has, you know, he's clearly been good for them at that position as an emergency stopgap. Um, so he's, he's a really great player. So there's no shame in him beating you, but, the, but he's totally one-dimensional. And so it's a it's it's how you lose. If you lose a close game because you know they're running the football well and they make a kick or something and it's you know whatever twenty one twenty and you lose the game on the road in a pick'em, it's not a quote unquote bad loss. It's every loss is not is hurt. It hurts your team, especially when you're fighting for bowl eligibility. But if you lose twenty nine to seven the way Missouri did on the road mm-hmm. to Kentucky, then I think you've got a much bigger question about Jeremy Pruitt and the, and the defensive staff. You're play, you're you're essentially playing against Tommy Frazier. That's what you're playing against. Um, it worked, you know, in the eighties and the early nineties, and that was the sort of college quarterback. So if you get beat like a quarterback like that, no one says anything because that that is the way you know college football was played in a box. Uh, you can't get beat by a guy like that nowadays. Uh, a guy that you know has limitations throwing the football. He's dynamic running it, but he has limitations throwing the football. And if you can't stop that team, knowing that they are basically one-dimensional, then, yeah, that, I think that is a bad loss. Even if you lose by seven points, I think it's still a bad loss, considering yeah. what yeah. you've what you've kind of built up yeah. up and until the, this game. And the stakes are off the charts. I mean, this is a huge game for both coaches. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that a little bit after Josh Ward. Uh, but 2011, of course, is the memory, not to, not to bring too many bad memories up for Tennessee fans, but 2011 was the 10-7 game. You lost. You had won twenty six straight against Kentucky, so the streak was intact. You lose to, K- to Kentucky ten to seven with their third string wide receiver quarterback Matt Rourke, who ran the ball twenty four times for one hundred twenty four yards. He was four of six passing for fifteen yards. If, if, you, if you're telling me right now that the Kentucky quarterback this weekend is going to be four of six passing for fifteen yards, you better I, win. I don't think there's an excuse for Tennessee to lose the game. No, at, you're right at that mm-hmm. point. Um, so he didn't turn the ball over. He led the team on a big drive in the fourth quarter. So there is a lot of history, not a lot, but this particular sh- moment, right on the road in Lexington against the third string wide receiver quarterback, right. that is a there's some demons there for Tennessee fans. Now the players don't care about that stuff. They don't know anything about that. But I guarantee you that that Mark Stoops has told people about that. I guarantee you he's brought that game up 
to his team and to his players because yeah, he's like, look, look, we did it before. We can do it again. We did it to Missouri last week. We can do it again. So mm-hmm. they, 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 this is like sort of um, um, culture-defining, program-defining game. If, if Stoops has really built a program that can sustain yeah. with, with all the injuries and all the losses in the offseason and they still beat Tennessee and they still are above five hundred right now, I, I think you have a lot of positive things to say about Stoops and, and conversely some questions for Pruitt and vice versa. Predators fans, be listening in the 7 o'clock hour for your chance to qualify for the Winter Celebration or the Winter Classic Celebration giveaway. The cue to call coming up at some point in the 7 o'clock hour. Josh Ward joins us next here on Morning Drive. 6.31 and back in here live on a Friday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game, Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquise with you. We'll get to the big one in the SEC Coming up in just about 30 minutes, Bama LSU. But right now, talking Vols and Kentucky, a pivotal one in the East tomorrow in uh, Lexington. And we welcome in Josh Ward right now from WNML in Knoxville. Josh, happy Friday. How you doing? Hey, doing well. Great to be with you guys this morning. Just in, in general, what, what have you seen over Tennessee over the last three to four weeks that's making you feel like they're rounding into form and they, they kind of look like a competent football team? Well, I think they have more players they've been able to rely on on defense, guys who have been able to make plays up front, which has made a, a difference, starting with Daryl Taylor, who didn't play particularly well early in the season, at least compared to what Tennessee was expecting out of him, and Daryl expected that of himself. And then other guys like uh, Danny Batuli made a big difference uh, after missing the start of the season, got healthier. And then line of scrimmage play uh, certainly improved on both sides. Now, I thought the offensive line took a step back last week, and that's something uh, that is going to be worth watching this week against Kentucky. But better line of scrimmage play, I think better quarterback play, not elite, but it, it was better in October than it was in September. That helped with Tennessee. And then uh, I think players just have a better understanding of what they're supposed to do before the ball is snapped and, and then after. And that showed against opponents. They've also kind of taken advantage, I, I think, of some good spots. you got Mississippi State at a good time, um, South Carolina probably as well. But credit to Tennessee for taking advantage. Hey, Josh, let's talk about that quarterback situation because all three of them have been cleared. Uh, do you expect to see more than one guy? Um, and is Shroud the guy that you just don't expect to see at all this weekend? Yeah, I would go that way. And uh, I've joked that Vegas has to – they have to up the prop bet to three, three and a half because it seems like three is almost a lock at this point uh, if you factor Juwan Jennings in as well. And my guess would be that we see both Brian Maurer and Jarrett Garantano. And, and Jarrett, he has not been the start of the last few weeks, but he has been – the guy the last uh, couple of games at least just in a relief role and it's probably that way as well his reps and practice have been limited again this week he didn't take many at all last week before the UAB game but he played almost all of the game at least the important snaps at quarterback for Tennessee after Shroud started so uh, Brian Maurer I think is is uh, in a position where Tennessee is more comfortable playing him I think that happens on Saturday and let's see how he plays let's see if he can make it all the way through and let's see what role Jared Garantano has because Tennessee's coaches have continued to, I think, behind the scenes say we, we have to count on Jared to help us win football games. And, and over the last few weeks, he has done that. Now, I mean, considering where UT is at right now, I think at the beginning of all of this, um, you know, Pruitt was getting, you know, drugged through the mud, so to speak, and that team was, rightfully so. Um, and the fans couldn't see the forest through the trees. Um do you think now, because of what's going on, how this team is playing, how they how they are looking on the field, that it's becoming more clearer to the to the fans, to the alumni, 
um, that this might be the right coach for the right job at this particular time? The conversation has definitely swung back in in a more positive direction for Jeremy Pruitt over the last month or so. And wins against Mississippi State and South Carolina has helped. Even the Georgia and Alabama games, fans came out uh, feeling a lot better about Tennessee's head coach, especially the the Bama game. Mm -hmm. So uh, now that Tennessee is heading into this final stretch, it's it's kind of similar to last year in that Tennessee got that win against Kentucky. And in the final two games, I think fans had an expectation almost of seven and five, and they were going to have a huge finish. And Tennessee needs three wins to get there. But the conversation is not much different, I think, than it was a year ago. Uh, even Daniel Batuli said after the win against South Carolina that the players have to focus on making sure that last year doesn't happen because right now the answer is yes. It's a much more positive conversation about Jeremy Pruitt and fans getting excited about what this staff is doing. But just like it changed very quickly for him in a positive direction, if Tennessee were to lose this weekend in Kentucky, that conversation changes as well. So how these next few weeks go are really important. And if Tennessee goes 2-1 and one in this final stretch but gets to a bowl game, considering the conversation after two weeks and after the month of September, it still would be in a much better spot. But that's that's the obvious goal. Tennessee needs to win two of the next three here. But does one of those wins need to be against Vanderbilt? Because if they win two and then lose to Vandy, do you think that then leaves a, even though they're going to a bowl game, that leaves a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yes, would be my answer. If, if Tennessee wins the next two and then comes back home and closes out with a loss to Vandy, that'd be four straight, that'd be six out of eight. Yeah, that would sit very poorly with Tennessee's fan base, and uh, I would not recommend Jeremy Pruitt do that. So, uh, yeah, I would say uh, of these next three, like you, you don't want to lose to Kentucky. That's never good, and you know, Missouri's really had their number. So that's the one that I think fans would accept if that's the right word. Uh, there, There is no scenario here where a loss to Vanderbilt, again, would be accepted by Tennessee's fans. Josh, we know Kentucky's quarterback situation. How does Derek Ansley and Jeremy Pruitt go again, go about scheming and game planning against a player like that? Yeah, uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt's plan is contain, contain, and you know, making sure assignments are right. And you know, A lot of this is with the assumption, of course, that, that Bowden's in that position. Uh, but uh, their ability to run with him and those backs, uh, I think Tennessee should be okay there. That's why offensively Tennessee needs to make sure that it, it takes care of the football, it needs sustained drives, it needs to be able to put up enough points because I think Jeremy Pruitt's confident that if Kentucky's one-dimensional, he'll be fine and that uh, if his defense just has to hold Kentucky you know, the, in the 10- to 17-point range, he's confident that his defense can do that and then you just get enough points from your offense. If the offense struggles, if the offense turns the ball over and sets up Bowden to maybe help Kentucky get an easy score. Uh, you know, just think about last year's game. Tennessee hits a touchdown at the end of the first half to Marquez Callaway. It's 17 nothing, and that's, that's all she wrote because they were going to come back throwing the football. And I think Jeremy Pruitt would have a similar level of confidence in this game. Uh, Bowden has been really good and uh, should have better weather than they've had to deal with the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, Kentucky will probably go out there feeling good, feeling fresh. Uh, Tennessee is at the end of six straight weeks, and sometimes I think we can make a little bit too much of scheduling, but I think Jeremy Pruitt has looked at that as a big deal this week, and uh, he is, I wouldn't say worried, he he has worked extra hard this week to make sure that his players realize this is a tougher game than uh, maybe they might think or fans might think heading into Saturday night. Yeah, it's a good thing T. Martin can remind them about what happened in 2011 with Matt Rourke. T. Martin was on the Kentucky coaching staff, of course, when the wide receiver won the game for Kentucky back then, Josh. How much does this mean for both coaches in general, broad 
broad picture, Kentucky fighting for a bowl game, Tennessee fighting for a bowl game, both, you know, Kentucky and, and Stoops obviously far more entrenched in his job, but there's rumors linking him, along with Deion Sanders, by the way, which is weird, to Florida State. Um, just sort of what does this game mean, sort of big picture, a revenge on the mind for Kentucky from last year? Just give us a sense of what this game means, in your opinion, big picture for both coaches. Well, for Kentucky, I think it really legitimizes the growth of that program, which I don't really question, but some people might do because it's just it's Kentucky. You beat uh, you beat Tennessee this weekend. Uh, you're, you're going to a bowl game for sure, and then we'll see how many wins they can finish with. I mean, could they get to eight, seven, or eight becomes a possibility. Louisville game's always huge for them, but um, you know, for Kentucky, I think it just would help legitimize what that program has become the last few years because it has illegitimate players and legitimate depth. For Tennessee. If it wants to make the case that it is really making progress, it needs to win these kinds of games, and it's done that in the last few weeks. You need to beat teams like Mississippi State at home. You need to beat South Carolina, and Tennessee did that. But if it turns around and and loses to Kentucky, that halts the progress, doesn't make anything easier on the recruiting trail. And from a national standpoint, I think people would just check in, see the Tennessee loss, and then move along with the conversation to other programs. And and that's what Tennessee wants to stop happening. And you're probably right. I I think T. Martin – does speak to the team this week because last year Terry Fair, who was on the staff, and I think it was Montario Hardesty who was working with Tennessee a year ago, they spoke to the team and said, we do not lose to Kentucky. And T. Martin, he has the ability to talk on both sides. When I was at Tennessee, we didn't lose to them. When I was at Kentucky, we made it happen. Don't let it happen this week. So I'm sure that's being brought up to the players. If you want to be taken seriously and you want to be considered an elite program, you have to, you have to win these kinds of games, and then we take the next step. Josh Ward, WNML in Knoxville. Always a pleasure, Josh. Thank you. Sure thing. Thanks, guys. You got it. Vols and the Cats coming up Saturday from Kroger Field. Josh about to have his second child coming up like on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday. So congratulations, Josh Ward. Joining us like like two days out from uh, doubling up as a father. Stressful days. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So You know, you lose to a basketball team on Saturday. You have a kid on the way. You know, I think it's tough. I think it's tough when you're a Vols fan and you lose to Kentucky in football. Tough yeah. pill to swallow. Yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to troll here. I'm just saying, you know. No, they they don't uh, handle it well. Can't take it well. Nor nor should they, as he just said. Those those, those players take it personally. Yep. So, all right, big seven o'clock hour coming up. Bama LSU at the top. We'll get to the Titans and the Chiefs as well. Teron Davenport's going to join us. Uh, we'll wrap up our Vols Kentucky conversation when we come back. And if Vols fans want to jump in, 615-737-1025 is the number. Back after this on Morning Drive. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, and Marquis says we're getting ready for the Vols and the Cats. Saturday, Kroger Field in Lexington. Does the loser make a bowl game? If Tennessee wins, is it officially a season of progress? I think this is really, it, you're right, Braden. It, it's a swing game. It's a pivotal game for both programs on many different levels and if i'm kentucky you know you look back to last year dream season 10 wins and in tennessee to some extent kind of spoiled that i think the vols are going to get kentucky's best shot saturday night i i, I totally agree um even if it's a wide receiver playing quarterback but they go to vanderbilt they come here um next week and then they have tennessee martin and louisville at home so at 4 and 4 even if you lose this game you still could get you still could get two of those last three in theory, Tennessee Martin and Vanderbilt. Louisville is a much improved football team, and that's a really great rivalry. I've been to one of those games. It's a very underrated game to go to. 
Um, but it, it's just it's sort of a program defining moment, as Josh said there about Kentucky if they win, where it's not their best team, it's not their best roster, they don't have their starting quarterback, and they yet somehow still figure out a way to beat Tennessee. That's something that doesn't normally happen in college football. That that's a pretty big statement on you know what Mark Stoops has done to to sort of build the program, as as Josh said, and 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 I agree with him. He doesn't need any more evidence, but I think he's done a great job. And then on the other side. It's just, it's just obvious how much this means to Pruitt in Tennessee. If you can get to a bowl game or even better, seven and five, you know, end the, the the losing to Vanderbilt, you can point to your alumni, to your recruits, to everybody in the off season, and you can say, "Look, those first two games were garbage. That's not who we are. Mm-hmm. Look who we were at the at the end of the year. We went five and we went four and four in the SEC, or whatever it's going to be." And you can say, "We were one of the." You know, we we were a middle of the pack to top half team in the SEC. We beat the teams we were supposed to beat. Now it's time for us to start competing with the big boys, and that's your sales pitch in the off season. Right. If you lose to Kentucky, you can't say any of that because then because then you're looking up at Kentucky. You know, in in the division. If you lose to Missouri, you're you're still looking up at Missouri. It's about where are you in the East, and you got to make progress. Josh Ward really, I think, nailed it and got me so excited when he talked about the Tennessee quarterback prop bet. Vegas might need to up it from three to three and a half. How, how do we think the quarterback situation will play out just within tomorrow's game specifically? I mean, it feels like Jarek Garantano has kind of re-earned a little bit of trust from Pruitt. I, I Yeah, I, I really struggle with this because Brian Maurer is the starter. Like he, When he took over and they put him in, it signaled to me, all right, let's find out what you've got in the young freshman who you think is really talented. Let's find out what he is. And he's the starting quarterback. Only because he had two nasty concussions did Jarek Garantano come back in the game. And he isn't – to have Jarek Garantano sitting on the bench is a pretty nice asset. That's a pretty nice commodity to have because mm-hmm. he's got tons of experience. He's not a great player, but, like, he's a really – like, to have him as a backup is a lot better than anything Vanderbilt's doing or Missouri or, any, you know, e- even Kentucky, for that matter, having to play a wide receiver. So – but I also see a road environment in a pick game against a, a fairly well-coached defensive team – you're going to need some level of experience and smarts and wisdom to beat that team, and so I see, I see Garantano and or, or Gerantano, we should we should say, uh, I, I see both of them playing. And Don't worry, Kelly Stelfer is not on the call. It'll be uh, Tom Hart and I, I forget Jordan, the analyst, Jordan Rogers, Jordan Tom Rogers? Hart, and Cole Kubel. That's okay. that's one of the most fun broadcast. It's a good teams. crew. That, that would be a fun team to travel with if uh, if you follow my drift. Um, they like to have a good time. Uh, I think. Yeah, I, I just I want to see both of them. I think you're going to see both of them, and then of course Jawan Jennings, you know, maybe back there doing some trick stuff. So. But Mace, you've been very uh-huh. you've been very adamant about the conservativeness with Mauer about not putting him back out there. No, I just don't. I mean, as a one, as a guy that you know understands somewhat um, the the effects of this, you know, long term on an individual's body, um, seeing it. Um, you know, guys go through certain things um, because of head trauma, um, especially him being in college um, and him having three more years left. Um, and as a parent, um, I don't know as if 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 I was his parent, I don't know if I would want my kid back out there this year because he's had two already. And once you've had one, you're more susceptible to another. He's had two. And, and they were back to back, really. 
And you feel comfortable with the with Exa- Gar- and your, and your you other option. You feel comfortable with, yeah. with Garantano. Uh, Tano, excuse me. Uh, I just wouldn't put him back out there. I will explain. To, I would explain to him. I would explain to his parents that listen. He's. We want him to be our guy. He's our guy. He's proven that he can play. But we got guys behind him that you know Garantano that we feel comfortable with. You know, if we if we need you know Mara to play, then we'll play him. But we don't need him to play him. We, I'm just thinking about your son's health moving forward. Because I guarantee you, if he has another concussion, that's the question that's going to come up. Why did you put him back out there and he's already had two concussions? You didn't because you didn't have to put him out there. Coaching malpractice exactly. at that point. You yeah. didn't have to put him out there because Garantano looks good. He's healthy. You well, don't have to put relatively. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have to put him out there. So I'm not putting the kid out there unless I just have to. It's a good argument, man. Um, so, good argument. but I mean. He knows his team better than I would ever know his team. And, you know, I, I still think they have a great chance at winning with Garantano because beside that one debacle he had, and I've said this before, he's been playing He's been playing good. He's been okay. And even in that game, he was yeah, okay, except exactly. for the one play. So I wouldn't put him back. I wouldn't put the young man back out there. Not this season, at least. I can get behind that. Speaking of uncertainty at quarterback, Vanderbilt will go to the Swamp at 11 a.m. kickoff tomorrow. Neither uh, Mo Hassan or Riley Neal expected to face the Gators, which means it's Deuce Wallace, and you might even see redshirt freshman Alan Walters, who's yet to play in a game this year. You guys know I believe in the letdown factor. A lot of times in college football, team gets a big rivalry game. They lose. They come out flat the next week, maybe like Notre Dame did against Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Florida lost to Georgia last week. I don't see that being the case. I don't know how the heck Vanderbilt's going to put up any offense in the swamp tomorrow against Florida. Yeah, I think that could be yeah. ugly. Yeah, I, three, seven, ten points at yep. the most. It just, yeah, it's, it's hard to f- see where they're going to make plays. This might, this is going to, I would be surprised. I would be pleasantly surprised if Vandy is able to put up some points and make it a game. But like you guys said, I don't see how it's going to be. I think it's going to be ugly. I mean, really ugly. Think think about all the the perimeter players that Florida has, you know, including Pitts, the mm-hmm. tight end, who's a complete ma- matchup nightmare. Van, like I, this, this feels like 41 seven. Yeah, because yeah. if you look at the SEC, the SEC and, and you start looking at skilled guys, we know Bama's won with their trio of receivers, uh, and then LSU. You can argue that Florida's third with their trio of receivers. Yo, you could argue that yeah. they're, they're just, probably, just as yeah, good. Exactly, yeah. and they're tight end. I, I mean, don't Swain, see, Jefferson, yeah. Pitts, mm-hmm. they got dudes, man. I, I don't see how Vandy stopped them. I just don't. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we've already talked too much about yeah. this. <laughs> like I, I don't know. Like I, Florida is going to win by a million. I feel bad for Derek yeah, Mason, man. It's like, what what defense did you employ to stop that team? Because your guys that your guys hadn't shown that they can yeah. go out there and mm-hmm. stop a, a team consistently. All right, Teron Davenport's coming up at seven thirty. We'll get ready for Chiefs and Titans. Also, we'll do a good bit coming up in the first half of the 7 o'clock hour on Bama LSU because there's actually five things that could be decided tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. Five things. Ah, this, five. Is, this is really interesting. A couple, couple of them you don't, you're maybe not are thinking about because we all know what's at stake. Mm-hmm. Huge game, two mm-hmm. versus three. We know the championship stakes, but there might be more than that on the mm-hmm. line. Just one quick thought before we do get to a real deep dive on Bama LSU. Thought about this yesterday. 
What what would LSU be like today if Les Miles just would have done what Ed Orgeron has done <laughs> five years ago? Like if you just would have evolved and well, came Les to Miles the times, still been there. He would have still been in LSU. Yeah, probably. He would like, have got a raise too. But, yeah. but honestly, like, how difficult was it? Like hire an offensive coordinator who knows it's 2015, and you know maybe look like a modern offense. And and it, and he's not even technically their offensive coordinator. Did you guys? So uh, he's like the offensive he's the passing game yeah, coordinator, coordinator or whatever. Something one of those other bizarre titles. But basically, he's the he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah. What you know? What's really funny is his background, his backstory. He got interviewed this week, I think, by Bruce Feldman. Um, of uh, I believe he's with the Athletic now, mm-hmm. but longtime college football guy. He he had never done an interview his entire career. He'd never been interviewed. Mm-hmm. He was a wide receiver at like William and Mary, mm-hmm. and then has been just sort of like a in the background in like in the background of NFL and college teams. Like he's never really had a high level coaching position. He was sort of just he wasn't really the OC for the Saints. He was sort of just a guy on the staff. Like he's he literally had never been interviewed. I, like I listened to it, and he's like, "Yeah, no one's ever asked me any questions about anything." <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" In a, in a modern world where we tell a million stories a day about everything, how is it that, that Joe Brady? And think about this. Think about this, honestly. Mm-hmm. To get into the LSU Bama conversation coming up next break, is there a more important human being in college football than Joe Brady? No, nope. You could argue he is the most important dude in the entire sport. He he he's he t- changed he took LSU. LSU out of the Stone Age. He probably changed the program or saved the program from falling in, you know, this the abyss. I mean, I mean Joe Burrow by their from an offensive from an offensive sure. standpoint like, of what I'm saying. And I get it. Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. the way he's coaching and you, you look at, you know, all these all, Trevor Lawrence is so important. Like there's so many important uh, unbelievable players. I just think it's like we we all agree that LSU's not where they are today without Joe Brady. Yeah. Like if if they don't go to the Saints and bring this guy in to fix the passing game, there's, there probably is no way we're talking about no. two versus three with a Joe Burrow Heisman candidacy. If, if like, there's no way we're if talking they're about still that. playing old school LSU ground and pound ball, they're an eight and four program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah, nine, eight, nine, ten nine wins, three, whatever. Yeah. They're just not championship level. Right, right. And and so we look at. I, I don't know. It's just it's funny to think about the impact of this one guy that no one's heard his voice. Nope. He's never done an interview. No one's ever heard of who he is or what he's all about. And he might be the most important dude like? in college football. Does he sound like Ed Orgeron now? No, 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 no. Uh, no. But he's got a lot of Louisiana ties. But uh, he doesn't sound like that. He's got a squeaky voice, but sound like Ed Orgeron. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Matt, Matt LaFleur? <laughs> what the hell was that? All right, Bama LSU like coming up turkey. next. <laughs> Five things that could be decided tomorrow in Tuscaloosa. That is next, the big game on a morning drive.